you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, and I think it's in the program correctly this week. So we made extra sure, I believe. Mark chapter 10. So hey, it's, it's been an exciting week here at Second Baptist. On Monday, y'all heard of this thing called Fall Festival Halloween. And there's a great group at downtown, but then there were over, listen to this, here at Second Baptist Church, there were over, well over 500 people walk through these doors. So that's, that's, that's incredible. So I know that they prepared hot dogs and they prepared more than they thought that they were going to have and they had to go back to the store and get more. So that's a good problem, right? And uh, so that's good stuff. And then also on Thursday we had prime time where our 55 and plus get together and we had a great time with Tommy Wilson and Blenda and a great time of worship and Kristen made a wonderful meal for us. So excited to see prime time kick off again as well. So God is doing some great things in our midst and I'm excited about what's happening and how we can be a part and out in the community and making a difference. And so I was around throughout the week. People say, hey, you're that guy in that dunking tank, right? And uh, I said, sure enough. And uh, they said, hey, we had a great time at your uh, fall festival. So you guys have part of that. I think there were over 50 volunteers and so just a great show of support for what we can do and be a part of in the community. Now, also with a great week, last week we got an exciting week coming up, don't we? Tuesday is going to be exciting, isn't it? Everybody's like, what's Tuesday? You know this, you've heard of this thing. If you've seen Facebook, everybody's putting these little stickers that said, I voted, right? So, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So things are happening, and some of you are extremely worried. Listen, fear not. He's in control. He's in control today, Monday, Tuesday, and guess what? No matter what happens Tuesday night when you wake up on Wednesday, he's still in control. He's not surprised. He already knows the results. He's not surprised. So relax. Do your duty. You have the great opportunity where no, pretty much no one else in the world gets to do what you get to do and to go vote and say, hey, I want, this is the direction I want to go. Let's go be a part of that and then leave the rest up to God. He's not surprised. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that he ordains, he places those people in leadership. And you're, sometimes we think, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> but he's still in control. He's sovereign. So let's worship, okay? The guy that we worship today is still going to be God on Wednesday. So let's relax. As a matter of fact, let's just take a moment. Let's just pray to just pray for our worries to wash over us and to be reminded that he's God. Let's do that. Just bow your heads for a second. Just offer up your worries and your concerns. Just imagine. Imagine with me for just a moment that God's on his throne. You can see him up there. Jesus is at his right hand. You can see the marks. And you can see the angels and you can see those that have gone before us and they're singing out, Holy, holy, holy 
is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Flash forward a few days. It's Wednesday in heaven. God's still on His throne. Jesus is still at His right hand. And the angels are still singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come. May we be singing that this morning. May we be singing that on Wednesday and Thursday. And as the followers of Jesus, may we become passionate. As passionate as we are about this election, may we become so passionate about our neighbors that don't know Jesus. So they can join with us in singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Father, You are God. And you are not surprised. There may be moments that you're ashamed. I don't know. But God, you're in control. Lord, may we pray that we get on your agenda. And here's what I do know, that your number one agenda is for us as followers of Jesus is to begin to weep over our neighbors. that if we want our country to change, it starts right here with me. With me looking at my neighbors and saying, I love you because he first loved me. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. So I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a place where you've got a group and you've got 10, 12, 13 of you and you're kind of discussing, hey, we're going to go somewhere and that group begins to walk. And so the, at the beginning of that walk, you're all kind of together. And so there, here's this herd of people moving. And then you kind of go a little bit further along and you realize, hey, this is an impossible task for all the big group to kind of keep moving at the same pace. Because if you're like me, I like to mosey. You all know what mosey is? you got your hands in your pockets and you're just kind of doing your thing and you're talking. And that's why I don't like going walking with people in the mornings or in the evenings or afternoon. You know, these people that like to exercise, not exercise, but walk for exercising. Because they walk with a purpose. And, I mean, they are moving. And if you've got long legs, I'm just not going to keep up. And I end up running to try to keep up with people. So I love to, to just kind of mosey. And so you can see these group of people, and they're, they're moving along. They're kind of going to where they're going to be going. And they start off together. You see them in the malls or you see them somewhere along the street, trick-or-treating or something. And all of a sudden, that group kind of begins to scatter. And so you see where there's one kind of walking by themselves, and maybe two or three are walking together, and they're kind of doing their thing and talking. Well, imagine that in your mind and imagine that here's jesus and his disciples and they're walking along a country road together and they kind of had a little meeting they had some fish together and they were talking jesus says hey listen we gotta we gotta go to jerusalem i've got some work to do as a matter of fact i'm going to jerusalem because the days of my ministry and my life are counting down and i we need to go do some things and so you can imagine the excitement that the disciples had and the, the fear and the trepidation that the disciples had about going into Jerusalem. They'd already kind of left Jerusalem because they'd created some stir, and so there was some tension, and they weren't real excited about heading back into that troubled area. And so here they go, they begin, and I can imagine Jesus is, he's moving with a purpose, and he's walking fast, and the other guys are kind of trailing behind. They're thinking, I don't really want to get there fast as, as maybe he is. And then these two guys 
they kind of look alike, and they walk up, and they catch up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, when you go to Jerusalem, and we get there in a little bit, and we kind of kick Heine, and you become king of Israel, we want to sit at your right hand. These brothers, James and John, one wants to sit on the right, one wants to sit on the left, and they're the sons of thunder. They're powerful. They're thinking, hey, Jesus, we're going to Jerusalem. The only reason we're going to Jerusalem is to kick some rear and to take names, and you're going to become king. And so they hadn't heard the part, or they just didn't hear that part where he said, listen, I'm going to Jerusalem, and we're not kicking Heine. Actually, I'm going to die. They kind of forgot about that part. And so all of a sudden, if you know you've been in a group and someone up front's talking, how that kind of trickles back. It doesn't happen in small towns too often, but this kind of thing called gossip it kind of comes back. It kind of trickles. It's amazing how that happens. And so all of a sudden, someone overheard it and kind of the wind blew back and they said, listen, those two guys think that they're better than us. They think that they're going to get better treatment. And so they've been talking to Jesus. And so all these people kind of gather around and, Jesus, Jesus, listen, those guys, let me tell you about those guys. And so they begin to kind of ridicule each other and, and kind of talk about it. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 stop. Yes, we're going to Jerusalem. Yes, it's going to be crazy. But what you guys are asking of me, you really don't understand. You say that you want to sit in a seat of honor with me, but you don't really understand what you're asking because the cup that you're wanting to drink from, this great ambition that you have before you to, to charge hell with a water pistol sounds great, but listen, it is going to get crazy. And I don't know if you really understand what you're asking. So listen. Jesus stops him and he says, listen, this is what it means. When we are, you're claiming that you want to be a leader, you want to be in charge, Jesus flips it upside down for them. He says, listen, we're not going in to take names. We're going in with towel and wash basin, and we're going to serve. And James and John, they're the thun, sons of thunder. They're like, man, we're, we're taking names. And Jesus says, we are. But we're creating a line so that we can serve people radically flipping this idea of what it means to be in charge and to lead. Because listen, it's a great thing for us to have ambition. As believers in Jesus Christ, as followers of God, we are created to have ambition. We should, as a matter of fact, as followers of Jesus, we should be the most ambitious, hardest working people on the land because we have a purpose. And we can go and, and do, and, and nothing's going nothing's gonna to harm us, nothing's going to hurt us, because we have this great ambition to pursue God. We're created by Him, we have responsibility, we have stewardship over it. And listen, whenever we do something, it shouldn't just be good enough. Whenever God created the world, He didn't say, it was good enough. What did He say? It was good, perfect, complete. Some of you are incredible craftsmen. Do you ever complete your craft and look at it and say, good enough? No. I know some of you, you totally take it apart and rip it apart and start all over so that it can be perfect, complete. For us to be perfect and complete as servants and leaders of the world, we've got to just move and flip our mindset and begin, instead of taking names, getting our wash basin and our towel and saying, listen, I'm here to serve you. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 42, verse 41, actually. And again, here we have this 
Jesus and his disciples have been walking along the road. They're moving to Jerusalem, and this kind of discussion has been going on, and there's, there's anxiety within the group because James and John have said, hey, we want to be leaders. We want to sit at your right hand. And so here in verse 41, when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. In Greek, that means ticked off. So you can laugh. It's okay. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. And this idea of slave here is one who willfully submits to someone else, that they're, they're in authority over someone else, but they willfully submit in this moment to serve them when they don't have to. Verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Ambition is a good thing. Here's one of the things that I want you to think about this morning, is that being humble Being humble does not mean that we need to pretend that we want to be great, okay? That we don't want to be great. I mean, as people, we want to be great at things. And so somewhere along the way, we've heard this and and bought into this idea, well, to to be humble means that I can't still want to be great at things. As a matter of fact, what Jesus is saying, true greatness at something means that you're willing to submit and to serve in these moments, the desire to turn something the desire to turn something that you want to be great at into actions of humility the desire to serve think of it this way this truth okay of wanting to be great at something this truth will make you a better husband a better wife a better father a better mother a better employee a better student a better boss a better friend when you decide that to be great and to be a leader means in some moments to willingly submit and to serve others. Think of it this way. The decision to be humble is willingness to serve. Can y'all hear me okay? Is it okay? Am I sound okay? Okay. The willingness, decision to be humble is a willingness to serve. Will you choose... Will you choose to apologize first after a fight? That's a decision to humble yourself. Any of y'all ever had a fight recently? What's your first inkling and desire inside? They need to apologize. They are the ones that need to apologize. Doesn't happen at our house very often. We don't really ever have those situations, but I know in other households I've heard rumors That there's fights, and there's even this whole deal of, listen, I'm not apologizing. She started it, or he started it. There's no way. This is what God's talking about. Listen, in those moments where you don't have to apologize, maybe they're at fault, whatever, you can throw all that stuff on there. Jesus says, this is what it means is to humbly serve as a submit and say, listen, that argument, yeah, we went through it, but I'm going to willingly submit and serve in this moment and apologize first. This is a big one at our household. Are you willingly able to submit and to choose to give up control of the remote? 
Are you willing to give up control of the remote? Because there's those moments where you've got it, the game's on, things are happening, and someone else walks into the room and they want to watch Nick at Night or something, or HGTV or something like that. And you're just, you've got a moment, you've got to choose. Is it about my choices? Is it about my agenda? Or can I let someone else have control of the remote? Now, some of you, that's why you've got 10 TVs in your house. Because you've decided that we're just not going to have that argument anymore. I'm not willing to apologize, number one. And number two, I don't want to give up my remote. What about this? Or you will willingly choose to submit and to do a chore and a task that's not yours. But you see that it needs to be done and you have time to do it. Instead of walking by and saying, eh, that's someone else's. That's someone else's. Yep, I see the laundry but the game's on, or whatever that is. Willingly choosing. The decision to humble yourself and serve others is important because of this. Selfishness destroys relationships. Selfishness destroys relationships. Humility develops them. The choice to humble ourselves and to serve when we have the ability and we have the right to demand our own way And to say, listen, it's not about my way in this moment. I want to submit myself and serve the other person. It will bring bring beauty and love and whatever you want, peace to relationships. How many of you have ever been to Walmart, H-E-B, and there's this person, this little person, and they have a desire for something? And when they have a desire for something, it catches their eye, and what do they do? Mom says no, dad says no, and immediately they began to demand their way. They began to, at some points even, to throw themselves on the ground because they got padded butts, throw themselves on the ground. They can get back up anyway, right? And they began to throw a fit. We call these things what? Temper tantrums. Now, as adults, we kind of grow out of those things. We think. However, we understand that we would look extremely foolish falling down on our unpadded butts at Walmart or ATB and doing this. But we have a great way of justifying and rationalizing our temper tantrums because we're adults. We demand our way, don't we? Don't raise your hand. We demand our way. We become selfish in these moments, we would never throw a temper tantrum like that, but we demand our way because we want to get noticed, because we want what we want when we want it. In Matthew chapter 23, even Jesus talks about this. He talks about there's these even religious leaders, and they so want to get noticed that they began to, to do extra spiritual religious things. Now, I know as church people, we would never do that. We would never do things to get noticed in church. We, wouldn't, we, we, we want to just kind of do church. We don't want to get noticed. But these pastors and these priests of the Jesus' day, they would th- do things so that people would go by and say, oh, that's the extra religious rabbi. So you can imagine, Chris is out here. I'm mowing the yard maybe in front of the church one day, and I've got extra cool hat on. And you're like, oh, man, that's Chris's really cool extra prayer hat. I know he prayed hard today. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Yeah, so that's what Jesus is saying. Listen, these religious people of the day, they were dressing and kind of just making things up so people would know, hey, they're extremely religious. If you want the most religious preacher and teacher in town, go to those people. 
And so they were taking things that Jesus and, and, and God and other rabbis of the day had been teaching about, some symbols to help them. They were taking those things and making them bigger and flashier and showier. So the first thing that they did is they took phylacteries, which we talked about a few weeks ago, which are these little boxes, and they would put prayers in these boxes, and they would kind of make little small bracelets. So if you've ever been to a crafts deal or something and you make a little beaded bracelet, that's kind of what it was. But inside for the Jewish people of that day, they had this small bracelet with a box and they would put some interest prayers in there. And then every time that they would kind of move that, it would touch their heart. They would be reminded that God is God and that he's in control and how much they love him and how much she loves them. It's a great symbol to have. And so some of you have something similar to that. Well, the really religious people of the day, they would take those small phylacteries and they would make ganjo bands of them in bigger boxes so that people would walk by. And, and the deal was is that you weren't, your phylactery wasn't supposed to be really noticed. Okay? But these priests and these prophets, they were making phylacteries where there was no way that you couldn't notice them. And so what Jesus is talking about is that we have this way of kind of demanding our way and a desire to get noticed, even our spiritual ways, that we kind of dress up so people would notice us. We buy cars so people will notice us. We buy houses so people will notice us. And this idea of building up a brand and building up an image for ourselves. Now, listen, is it okay to be noticed? Yeah. Is it okay to have a great car, a great house? Yes. But what Jesus is saying, listen, those phylacteries, what's the motivation behind that? That you move from having something that's a symbol, that's small, that just kind of reminds you of me, to, to saying, listen, I need this. And I need to be recognized and I need to be honored. And he talks about the phylacteries and he talks about having a seat of honor. And that there were people of that day that you would go into a house and depending on if you were the president or whatever, you, you would get the seat of honor. And that some people would just think, hey, I'm that person. I'm so important. I'm going to sit up here at the front. And how embarrassing it is to think that you get a seat of honor and then someone comes up and say, actually, it's great that you're here, but that's not your seat. And to be moved back. Now listen, we would be honored if some of you would move to the front here. That would be great. We will not push you to the back. Some of you think that it's an honor to sit in the back. And that's great. So we, we would love to move you forward. What's the number one Google search? Anyone know? The number one thing that's searched on Google? Our names. Our individual names. That when people go onto Google, they are searching for their name time and time again so this you get on there and even my kids and others we've talked about and they get on and they look and they're searching for their name what is out there about them why because we want to know how that we are recognized and how many people know us we want recognition and receive and um, recognition and honor and those aren't bad things but when we begin seeking those things is when we struggle we begin to place others um, ourselves above others and then the other idea is title is being busy Sometimes you hear somebody say, hey, how are you doing? And what do we say? Busy. I am busy. We have this deal that we love to be busy. And that's one of those old ideas of titles. But we like to be busy and for people to know that we're busy and to always see us doing things. And so people say, hey, how are you doing this week? What have you been up to? Man, I can't even tell you. I'm so busy. And it's, many times we're too busy to spend time with our family, to spend time with those that we need to be spending time with recognition and honors and all those are great things but what's the heart motivation behind those to turn the desire to be great and to be worshiped and to be honored 
into a decision to place ourselves under others in this moment of saying, I'm willingly able to submit and to serve so that you can be the number one husband, you can be the number one wife, you can be the number one parent, you can be the number one boss, you can be the number one employee, because you, instead of placing yourself above others and climbing the ladder and, and then climbing the ladder saying, listen, look at who I am, and you fall down and worship me, that we begin to get and say, listen, I want to, to serve you in this moment. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. It's an upside-down thinking for our relationships. If we gather this truth, it will turn our relationships upside down. If we began to say, listen, I desire to willfully serve you in this moment. Yes, I have the right. Yes, I have the authority. Yes, I am in, in a place above and whatever. But in this moment, I choose and a desire to be great to serve you because I don't want to exalt myself. I want to lift you up and place you in a place to let you get honor and recognition. It's not about me. It's about you. I want to raise you up because of who you are in this moment. It will change our relationships. Go home this week. Kids have a chore that they haven't done. As a parent, our natural reaction is to say, Hey, come get this done. And listen, there's times for that to happen. But maybe there's that moment you're saying, Listen, I've got a little extra time. And so we serve our kids. Maybe you walk by and it's your wife's responsibility. However that flows, don't get, this, don't get me in trouble. However, this flows at your house that maybe your wife is the one that she loves to do the dishes. I don't know a wife that wouldn't let you, but you go by and you see those dishes. You're like, hey, I know so-and-so, but you have time. And you do them. Serving. Maybe you go by and you see that there's laundry that needs to be done. Maybe some of you shouldn't because you'll turn everything pink. But if you do know how to do it, do it. Find ways to submit in those moments and to serve and to see how it would radically change your relationship. Some of you are bosses. Sometimes maybe just go by and say, hey, you have some extra time. Hey, what do you need? What are you struggling with this week? What can I help you? What can I do with some of my time to help you be more effective in your job? Maybe if you're an employee, go to your boss and say, listen, I got some spare time. What can I do to help you? I think about how that radically would change the relationships that we've got. If we began to seek opportunity to say, listen, I have some time. I want to serve you. How can I do that this week? Humbly place yourself in a position to serve others. Let's pray together. Father, we admit that our natural desire is to exalt ourselves. That we've done something well and we want to pat ourselves on the back, draw attention to ourselves, may the spotlight be brighter on us. When in reality you have given us a relationship principle of upside-down thinking that it's about serving others, even if when we have the right and authority. So Father, I pray this week that we would find the time to serve those around us. That even in those moments where maybe it's even a little inconvenient, that we would wash the dishes, we would do the laundry, we would take out the trash, we would 
seek opportunities to serve those that maybe even work underneath us, that we're their boss or superior or supervisor. And Father, just see how that changes those relationship dynamics. For Father, even you didn't have to submit. You didn't have to serve us. But you chose to. And Father, as students of the way of life of Jesus, we want to continue to learn how to do that. May we bring honor and glory to you this week by the way that we serve and that we serve others. In your Son's name that we pray. Amen.